0: I am the director of youth and connectional missions, and we, for the past couple months, have been doing a memory verse every week. The idea is that we will ingrain scripture on our hearts, and we will know God who, for who he is and what he says. So for the past couple weeks, we have been having, been memorizing Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Is this, if this is your first week, or if you haven't been back in a while, take out your bulletin. There is an uh, insert in there that has this on it. Um, if you were here last week or the week before, I'm going to ask that you don't so that you can try and mem- try and say it out loud with all of us. But we are going to say this together. There's a few more words taken out than there were last week. And we are going to say this aloud and we are going to all memorize this together. So are we ready? Are we ready? Yeah? All right. We're going to say it three times aloud together. I'll start us. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Great, two more times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. All right. Last time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He. Awesome! That's great. Well, we are going to continue on with Scripture. If you'll pull out the Bible, that's either in the chair underneath in front of you, or if you're in the front row, it's the chair underneath you. We're reading out of the NIV. Um, we're going to be reading Scripture together. We want to bathe this place in Scripture to uh, to make this place holy, to make this place God's. Um, we're going to be reading out of uh, the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be on page 869 if you have the Bible underneath the pew. Um, the idea is that we're going to read this together. I'll, I'll start us off, we'll be in Mark 10, 42 through 45. And last week we started this new sermon series, Taboo at the Temple. And we talked about our words last week and how our words affect people and how they change people. And today, we're going to kind of talk about something similar and the words lead directly into our power and what our power can do and how it can change the world. So if you're in Mark 10, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, wait. All right, (laughs) I heard it a little bit. We're going to be in Mark 10, 42 through 45. And as I said, we're going to read it aloud together. Ready? Jesus called them together and said, as a ransom for many. Amen. Today we're going to start something a little different. We're going to uh, do our prayer time before our preaching a little differently. I'm going to open us up in prayer and I'm going to start it, but in the middle of the prayer time I'm going to ask that we all join together in silent prayer, that we're joining our hearts in prayer. The reason being is that we are all humans, right? So if we're all prone to sin and we're all prone to temptations, it means that even the people up on this stage can be prone to temptations and prone to sin. And the people who are giving you the word of God each week feel those same temptations. Even Jesus felt the same temptations. So I'm asking, pleading with you guys, not only this time in silent prayer, but this throughout your week, Pray for your pastors. Pray for the people that come up on this stage that the Holy Spirit will engulf them, that will take over their hearts and speak the words. So I'm going to start us in prayer. And then during that silent prayer time, I really encourage you to pray for Pastor Mike. Um, pray that the Holy Spirit takes over him and that also pray for your heart, that your heart is open to the words that he's going to speak, open to the words that God wants you to hear today so that you can go out. So I'm going to start us We'll do a silent prayer, and then I'll end us. Let us pray. God, we come today together as a congregation. You know our wants. You know our needs. God, you know us. Today, we come to be in your presence. Today, we come to worship, to praise you. Don't let any worldly thing get in our way. Take them out of here, I I know how great your power is. We all know how great your power is. Take the things that are not of you out of this room. God, we want your Holy Spirit to flood this room, to take over our hearts and to speak through Pastor Mike in the words that you have prepared. God, you hear our prayers. god your word is alive in this room we know that you are here to change hearts that you are here to bring your kingdom come and we ask that it be done today that your kingdom has come here so that we can go out and we can live as your disciples we're ready for you we're ready for your holy spirit and we know you're with us god thank you amen
1: Thank you for your prayers. I appreciate those and uh, covet them every single day, as do all the leaders of the church. So do be praying that God's uh, word and will is done through your leaders, uh, human and frail as we are. I do want to call your attention to two things right before I get to the talk. Um, Next Saturday, we do have an open house here. You've got a little flyer in your bulletin. Hey, make sure you share that with your friends, even if you just want them to see your church. They don't have to be people who are going to join our church, become part of it. Uh, But come on out, and maybe there'll be somebody out here, too, that is looking for a new church. We'd love to have them and and have them uh, take one of our cookies and have a little fun next Saturday afternoon. And then I know you've been hearing a lot about the She Believes Conference, and I know there's 160 or 70 or so signed up for that. And if you still want to sign up, women, there's time. But I did want to draw your attention to the next day. October 14th, Phil and Pam Morgan, no relation to me, are going to do their fantastic ministry of music here uh, on our Sunday morning services. And <clears throat> I'm not a country guy, you know, because Foghat's not considered a country band. But um, they do country gospel music really, really well. So uh, I'd hope you'd come and, and listen to their story and, and, and hear them. And I think uh, if you have friends that are really into country or country gospel, they'd love that morning, October 14th, at both our services. So let's get right to the talk. So summer in South Marion was a time where every night when uh, all the activities of the neighborhood were done and it started getting dark, we played hide-and-go-seek. And my family's front step was the base. Now, hide-and-go-seek, if you didn't play hide-and-go-seek, it's like kick the can, but basically you all go hide and somebody tries to find you and beat you back to the base. Well, the other thing that maybe some of you in this congregation don't understand is that in uh, the time in which I was growing up, not every house had air conditioning. You're all supposed to go, huh? <laughs> what? So one night we were playing, and my friend John Argist and I were hiding, and we were down on, on what, South 11th Street, and we were kind of edging around this house, and we had our backs right up to the front of a house. Now as an adult, I know I had my back to some guy's bedroom window. And so did John, and we were standing there trying to hide from whoever was it over there. And and again, no air conditioning, so the window was open. This guy was probably three feet from us when he says, Get out of my yard! And we did. (laughs) Really fast. I don't think I've ever been back in that yard again. I drive by it every once in a while, and I kind of shiver in my spine a little bit because he scared me so much. But, you know, we were right there. I mean, we were right up next to him, so next to him that he was uncomfortable and he wanted us to be uncomfortable and he ran us out. We, we started this Taboo at the Temple series last week to remind ourselves that sometimes to be really effective, God has to get right up in our yard, right in an uncomfortable spot where we can, we can feel the warmth of his breath and, and just be right there because he wants to deal with stuff that's going on in our lives and sometimes we don't want to talk about it. Matter of fact, oftentimes we like to keep it out of church because it's our personal business, our personal business, Right? But God says, no, your personal business is my business, because I'm everything, and I'm in everything. So I want to go right to this. Every human being has personal power. Every human being has personal power. You may not feel that, and I'll come to that in a moment, but we all have our power. I was at a youth retreat a a number of years ago, and uh, there was 100 or so junior high kids, and I had several adults with me, because, you know, they're junior high kids, and so you need some supervision. But I walked up to the front, and we were getting ready to worship, and I said, all right, hey, you guys, sit down. Time to worship. I didn't think anything about what happened next. We had worship. At the end of the thing, I, the, I walked out, and there was this fellow named Gary Monk, big, tall guy, and he looks at me. He's a junior high teacher, middle school teacher, and he says, you are a powerful man. And I was thinking to myself, what are you talking about? He says, you just told 120 junior high kids to sit down, and they did. <laughs> That's power. I really never thought of it that way, but I understand how that goes. You know, every person has some personal power, and, and we sometimes have to figure out how to use it appropriately. The, a couple years ago at the State Fair, you probably heard this story. Um, Governor said, remember him? He's in China now. But he, he went to the pancake line. And he was going down the line, he had his pancake and his sausage and all that. He got to the end where the lady that put the pats of butter on your pancake, she put a guy in front of her, pat of butter, next guy, pat of butter. Governor Brand said, pat of butter. And he says to her, can I have two pats of butter? And she said to the governor, no. (laughs) And he said, what? She said, no. He said, do you know who I am? She said, No. He said, I'm the governor of this state. She says, do you know who I am? He said, no. She said, I'm the lady in charge of the butter. Move on. <laughs> right? We all have our personal power. And at some Level, by, by position or persona or just our personhood. You know, we're created in the image of God, so we have that power that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. We are one of God's holy children, and our power impacts our families. It impacts our work. It impacts our church. It impacts our personal rela- relationships. And if we, feel like we have, if we feel like we're powerless, that also affects our family, our church, our work. Our interpersonal relationships. So our power has a lot to do with who we are. Every human being that's ever lived has personal power. And managing it is a significant concern for the Christian. Now I want you to take a look at a quote by C.J. Redwine. He says that power is neither good nor evil. It just is. It's what people do with power that matters. You know, most things in life are neutral. You know that, right? I mean, words are neutral, but we can use them to be positive. This is what we talked about last week. We can use them to help people and heal people, or we can use them to burn people down. Our hands are like that, they're, they're, they're actually just neutral, but, but you can use them to, to help people carry stuff, to make breakfast for others, to hug somebody. We can make a fist, too. Most things are neutral, and the power is there. It's just a matter of what you use stuff for. Look what Alexander Hamilton wrote. You might have been to the play about him. A foundness for power is implanted in most, uh, he said men, but I updated it for us today, in most people. And it's natural to abuse it when it's acquired. The default position, what Hamilton is saying, of humanity is when we acquire power, to abuse that power, to, to use it wrongly. See, we we don't want to be last. We don't want to be on the bottom. So oftentimes when we have power, we abuse it. I was in my favorite grocery store this week, and I saw this amazing abuse of someone's power. I was in aisle one at the checkout stand, and there were four high school boys in aisle B at the checkout stand. They weren't screwing around, they weren't setting the store on fire. They were just a fair way to buy some stuff, right? They're standing in line. They had their stuff in front of them, and they were next. And up behind them, with a cart with about 12 items, comes an octogenarian. Do you know what an octogenarian is? An 80-year-old lady. And she rolled right up to them and said, Boys, I need to go in front of you. Now, she didn't appear to be on call at the local hospital. (laughs) I don't know why she thought she needed to go in front of them, But these boys that were there uh, buying stuff, I don't know what they were buying, they kind of looked past her to me, like, what are we supposed to do? I mean, we're in line, and this octogenarian is trying to budge in front of us. And they kind of looked at each other, and they realized, we all have grandmas, or something. And they stepped aside, and just let her go. Now, She never expressed thank you. She never expressed anything of why she had to go in front of them. She just told them that's the way it was. She used her grandma power, (laughs) right, to what I thought uh, was a level of abuse. I don't know if she had anything more important going on than those high school kids did. But, you know, we have the power we have, and we sometimes abuse it. I know I'm I'm like, well, like 20% of America, I, took, I went home about 4 o'clock one day this week to watch the Senate judicial hearings. Did some of you watch some of that? Now, this is not a moment to be partisan, but I will tell you this. There were people, men and women, on both sides of that aisle that were abusing the power that has been entrusted to them. And that just horrifies us all. And, and it would probably be easier for, for us to sit down and account of the ones that didn't abuse their power... Easier than it is to account for those that did because so many seem to just have that power in their grip and say, I'm going to thrust this upon you or another or the American people. And we have to be cautious about that. And that affects us, you know, because our default position when we get power is to use it. And I'm here today to tell you that Christians, right into the arts, right into the arts, where your power is, comes the Lord Jesus Christ with a very serious admonition regarding our power. Jesus warns us not to misuse our personal power. He, he warns us not to abuse our personal power. I don't know if you know the context of the scripture you, you lead and, and that we read, and maybe you have to, as one of my uh, colleagues said the other day, maybe you have to turn your Bibles on and look at John chapter five, 10. But in John chapter 10, verse 35... James and John, the sons of thunder, the sons of, uh, 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 the sons of both uh, uh, the, the two of the lead disciples, come to Jesus and they say this. They say, Jesus, give us whatever we ask you. It's the Bible. We, we want a favor from you, Jesus. Give us whatever you ask us. When you come in your glory, let us sit on your right and your left. He doesn't. They don't say to him, Jesus, can we go to lunch first? Can we take a few hours off to go fishing because, you know, we love that so much? They say, let us be on your right and your left. Give us whatever we want. Now, that's an exertion. That's them mongering for power. And I think Jesus, I don't know if he ever said the words, huddle up. (laughs) But he called his disciples together and said, come here, fellas. And look what happens in John chapter 10 or Mark chapter 10. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high priests and officials exercised authority over them. And then my underline added, Not so with you. He might have said, Not so with you, but he definitely said, Not so with you. There's inappropriate ways to use your personal power. I'm just going to give you this short short version, just talk about three things. I'm sure you can go out and Google a lot more. But, but one of the ways that we inappropriately use our power is to control. To control people, places, situations, others. And John, and same, same scripture, by the way. I'm going to work this scripture over pretty hard because I just heard Kelsey say we're trying to impart this on you. So I'm going to work this scripture a little bit. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42 and 43, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Let's have a little fill-in-the-blank thing. Put that next piece up there if you could. Okay, how do you fill that out? If I say to somebody, they're a control? Really? You said freak? They're a control what? Not, not one of you said, oh, they're, they're like my best control buddy. They're my control friend. They're they're so awesome. That's not a term of endearment. When you look at another person and say, oh, they're a control freak, you're not saying, wow, best friend ever. I've never heard heard or had another person say, she is so controlling, he is so controlling. I just love them for that. (laughs) Right? You don't say that about another person. In those kind of situations, control always feels like it's pushing down on someone else. Like they're taking their authority and they're pushing others down for the very sake of their own ego. Ego. We're not supposed to control people just because we can. Or just because we're over people. I could tell you a hundred stories of people that have come to me and say, This person or that person is so controlling and it's pushing my life down. It's quite difficult for me. See, free will is given to us from by God to exercise not to control others, it's to be free. We even sing a song in here sometimes. You are free, don't we, we have freedom? to be free. And I just want to, you know, I'm standing here in this place underneath that cross, so I want to make sure, Christians, don't control people with bad religion. Don't control people by trying to help God out. God needs us to serve Him. He doesn't need us to help Him. Let God love. Let God judge. Let God direct other people don't come down on people in judgmental ways just let God be God I have a lot stored up to talk about this I'll save that for another day I do know this though controlling people is typically an inappropriate use of power second inappropriate use of power short version intimidation oh my goodness can we be intimidating James Rollins wrote this the strong are always eating the weak Let that roll over your soul. The strong are always eating the weak. You know, in the animal kingdom, okay. It's okay when the the tiger runs down the gazelle and eats him. I, I don't necessarily like watching that on Natural Geographic, but if I flip through the dial and say that, oh yeah, well that happened, that's the way it is in the animal kingdom. The strong eat the weak. That is not to be the way in humanity. As a matter of fact, in humanity, according to Jesus, The strong are supposed to serve and protect the weak. Men are supposed to care for children. Men are stronger, sometimes physically, than women, and they're not to use their intimidation forces. They are not to abuse and hurt others. The strong are not to eat the weak. That is the way of the animal kingdom, but that is not the way of the kingdom of God. We need to be very careful about the power that's been given to us and make sure we don't intimidate other persons into submitting to us. This is Christian stuff. I don't know if I'm in your yard yet, but I'm trying to get there. In Mark chapter 10, again, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Bam! And their high officials exercise authority over them. This, friends, by the way, not in Jewish sense, but in today's world, This is why we go to Haiti. Maybe you saw the t-shirts out there. Maybe you've brought some, some gift bags for our kids at Christmas down there. The Haitian government uses intimidation to keep people in their place. Let me tell you about medical stuff in Haiti. If I'm ever in Haiti and you hear about me getting hurt down there, somebody get to a GoFundMe page together and get me back because I'd rather have a surgery done in my garage because it's cleaner than any hospital I've been in in Haiti. Haitians government, ha- Haiti's government has used their authority to intimidate people into not being educated, less than 20% of the kids are educated, into not having health care that can help them along, and to literally starve them into submission. Because if you're starving, he'll do anything for food. Really. And so we go hoping that by feeding people, by bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to people and by helping them be educated, over 100 students are, are, are educated in RTS ministry schools right now because of you, and we believe that that is Hades' hope because when the persons are educated, with that comes hope and authority and ability to help others. But in the world in which we live, the louder, the bigger, the richer, the stronger, the more powerful can intimidate and lord over Others And that is a wrong use of power. That is an inappropriate use of power. This is what our Lord says. And third, giving you a short version of inappropriate use of personal power is manipulation. Now, I read from a guy named George Martin. When you know what a man wants, you know who he is and how to move him. I want you to think about this for a minute. So I went on the Internet and I said, huh, I wonder if that's true. And do you know there's lots of arguments, lots of articles on there about how to make a man do whatever you want. I found this one. Seven subtly brilliant ways to get a man to do anything you want. Number one, try the damsel in distress act. Oh, help me. (laughs) The men will do whatever you want. Give him something he loves when he gets home from work. Make sure that meatloaf is set on the table, smelling the whole home. He'll do whatever you want that night. This is what the church staff does to me all the time they make him think the idea we're doing was his. Can I get a witness? Whole church staff back there saying, We didn't think he knew. You can use an extremely nice voice when he comes home. You can butter him up, saying, oh, aren't you so strong and wonderful. He'll do whatever you want. When he comes home, you can just lean in for a nice, long, slow kiss. Or you can give him one thing so you get what you want seven subtly brilliant ways to get a man to do anything. And, and ladies, I gotta tell you, women, there's others that have more than seven ways, but apparently, when you know what a man wants, you know who he is, and you know how to move him. Now, there's probably articles about this same, you know, about for men getting women to do, but there just wasn't time. <laughs> Leviticus 25. Do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God, for I, the Lord, am your God. See, I want to be trusted. People want to be trusted, so we trust others. We give them power. That's why there's so many con games. That's why so many people get cheated about their money, is that we we let ourselves be taken advantage of because we want to be trusted Ourselves, You've heard someone say, they're like putty in my hands. Once somebody says they're putty in your hands, you know what they can do with putty? They can manipulate it. They can make it do whatever they want to. And make another person do whatever you want to. That's manipulation. That's just wrong. So let's turn to the positive of all this. Jesus gives us a command and an example regarding how we're to use our, pro- our, pro- our power appropriately. First, he gives a command. Same scripture, a little bit later on. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Here's what Jesus is saying. You want to be great? Be humble. Think of other people. Serve others for my sake. And your example is in Mark chapter 10, 45. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom For many, See, Jesus could have demanded slavery from us. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he knows everything. And he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. So he could have demanded us to do anything. He could have forced us to be his slaves. Instead, he gives us an example of what he'd like us to be. He shows us how a person is to serve another person, how you're humbly supposed to serve. And he took it to the farthest degree a person can serve another person, which is death, and in his case, The most horrible death, death on a cross, that anybody in government could think of at that time. So, through his example, we find that there's some appropriate uses for power for a Christian. So let me give you a short list. First, be human. Not really that hard. That's what we woke up being today, right? But when you're really human, it it means that you're treating people, all people, as valuable and equal. Because in the first page of the Bible, the Lord says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they will rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. You see, we were created in one image. We were created in the image of God, and we were created all with the same breath that brings life to us all, even though we might look differently, even though we might sound differently. One of the things I love doing at at night sometimes is I, I love doing some praise and worship just on YouTube, and it's fun to take some of the songs we sing and look into other cultures that are singing the same song with the same culture and find out that, like, I'm listening to some song in Spanish or Portuguese that 53 million Christians have viewed it, and they're singing Oceans. You know, they're seeing what we sang this morning. Or, or you looking in, in, in some place, in some church, in, in, uh, singing in Creole. Because, you see, when God breathed breath, the Holy Spirit, into humans' lives, he breathed it into all of us. And so one of our calls is to simply be human. It, it says in the Bible, in Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor is there male and female for you're all one in Christ. So get this, <clears throat> we're all one yet we're all different. We look differently, we sound differently, we smell differently, because God loves variety. That's why I think it's, we sing that little children's song about how God loves all the children, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they're precious in His sight, because God loves variety. But when He looks out, He sees one human family. So be human. Secondly, be a healer. In the Ten Commandments it says, you shall not give false testimony a give against your neighbor." The middle school boy philosophy is this. <laughs> if I can tear one guy down, I can step on them, and at least somebody's lower than me. I can lie about him, I can cheat about him, I can do whatever, but as long as they're below me, I'm not at the bottom of the pit. But let me tell you, like we said last week, the words you use can hurt and heal. So can we in what we do. So spend your time healing others, not hurting. Be a healer. The mindset that that Christians have to have is to set your power, the use of your power on making lives better, on mending people. Throw your heart at being a healer in in your circle and advocate for healing all the way down. Now, this is not ethereal. This is not, oh, let's make the whole world better. It's got to come all the way, as my African friends say, to the family level, to the brother and sister level level, to the spouse and wife level. When you want to heal, you got to get all the way down where you live, and you heal from there up. And third, and I'll take you to the offering, be a helper, be quantifiable, quantifiably loving. That means people can see it when you're loving. People may not always understand your teaching or your testimony, but they will always understand your service. Years ago, I, I had a church in Webster City, and downtown Webster City, they had stencils made and they painted on the sidewalk. I can't remember what the words were, but it meant skateboarders are not allowed. Skateboards you are not wanted here. Well, my church was a block. The church I, I, I led at that time was a block from downtown, big old downtown church. Similar to what we had downtown here. A lot of parking lot. lot of steps and what the kids loved to do was they liked to skate up to the edge of the steps and then jump with their skateboards and put it on the rail and ride it right down the rail and they would just pull the paint off that thing pull the paint off that in about three minutes time but they couldn't skate downstairs downtown so my board of trustees had a meeting one day and said what should we do to the skaters they don't let them skate downtown I had nine trustees there that are responsible for liability and buildings and people getting hurt, and those kids would skate down that rail and went ride off into the street. And you know what they said? We should ask them to paint the rail every other month so it'll look nice once a month. That was stinking awesome. I was so afraid we were going to say, get off my yard. But a lot of those kids started coming to our youth group. You know why? Because that was the church that loved skateboard kids. We could have said a hundred things to them. We just put a a can of brown paint and a paintbrush out there and said, hey, once a month will you guys paint this thing? Best security force I ever had was about 30 skateboard kids, by the way. (laughs) Trust me, skateboarders rock. The guy in this church said to me a couple years ago, talking about a guy named John, he says, you know, John talks a lot about Jesus. I have no idea, no interest to him. The very reason I was at his house is because he quit coming to church. And I said, you've got to come to church more. He says, I hear lots of sermons. I hear from my friend all the time. I don't really get it. But you know what I do get, Pastor Mike? Twice a week, he drives me to Iowa City to the vet's hospital for my therapy. That's a pretty good sermon, don't you think? I said, I can't do any better than that. Helpers use their power to serve. People aren't always going to understand what you say, but they're always going to understand what you do. In 1 John 3, the apostle says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Christians, we're supposed to do our Christianity. We're supposed to seek the opportunity to help others. We're supposed to pray. I saw this prayer in a women's magazine, a United Methodist women's magazine, a long time ago. We're supposed to be in this pursuit. We're supposed to wake up and pray, Lord, I would so appreciate it if today you would bring me somebody I could serve. If today you would bring me somebody I could serve. You have personal power given to you by God. Spend your life using it appropriately. See, I believe, and Scripture tells us this, that our personal power comes from God. And so we seek direction. You know, we've been learning that verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him and he will make your path straight. I pray that for all of us that God will straighten our paths and take us to the place that we need to go into the people that we might be useful in. That that we might be human, that we might be healers, that we might be helpers. That that's the call of God on your heart, on your spirit today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word that comes to us. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to be human, to to, to be the people that you would have us be. that we, we, we ask, Lord, that we might continue to be healers, reaching out to men, people in our lives. And Lord, give us the power to help those who help and are needing help. In Jesus' name we
0: pray. Amen.